Hey, Adam Smolcom here, lead pastor of Vive Church. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that God will speak to you through the message today and that a greater level of faith would be unlocked in your life. God bless. Hey, great to have you in church today. Welcome everybody. If it's your first time to church, you are in for an absolute treat because this is a new series Sunday. That means that we're about to embark on a journey where I am already so excited to know what God's gonna develop in us, what God is gonna unpack within us over the next coming weeks as God deepens our understanding around the Holy Spirit. This series is called Temple. And there is gonna be so much that God has in store. Even today, we have a jam-packed content for you that I'm believing God is gonna build the framework of your life to deepen your intimacy with God and broaden your understanding as you expound in the revelation around what His Spirit is, who His Spirit is, and what God wants to do in your life. So as you prepare yourself for the Word, would you open your Bible to Acts chapter eight? I wanna use that as the framework. And in fact, as you prepare yourself, stay standing. I wanna read this to you. It's gonna be plenty of time to sit down. Don't worry about that. But Acts chapter eight, verse four, it says, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out. This is a great Halloween passage this is, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed, so there was great joy in that city. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believe Philip's message of the good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went and he was amazed by the signs and the great miracles Philip performed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on the people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part of this, for your heart is not right with God. What a passage for this Halloween Sunday. To kick off our series called Temple, I wanna start by deepening our, our understanding on who is the Holy Spirit. That's the sermon title today. Who is the Holy Spirit? You ready for the Word of God? All right, find 15 people around you and just look them in the eyes and give them a nod, then take your seat. Go for it, go for it. Nod at 15 people, thank you, team. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen, 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 amen. Last week, I got uh, the incredible opportunity to be with our, our church in Italy, our churches in Italy, and it was an absolutely phenomenal weekend of ministry. I have to 
be honest with you, the, the way God moved in power from our, our, our women's event uh, there, uh, we had Pastor Kira preach just the place down. They had to do structural reinforcement afterwards. It was so powerful. And then we had our vision gala there and they're in vision season at the moment. And then Sunday was just a revival Sunday. It was an absolutely powerful weekend, a monumental weekend. God did so much. And it was, it was just a, a real pleasure to be there and witness that. And, uh, and yet out of everything, I do have to be honest, though, one of the most memorable things of the weekend was the fact that I got to flex my U.S. passport for the first time. And I did. I took it. Brand new passport, like fresh, you know, like just crisp and like, you know, brand new photo, a whole thing in there. And, and the photo never comes back good, but don't worry about that. There was, there was U.S. citizen on that. And so I was so excited the whole time looking forward to just flexing my U.S. passport. Like, I'm an American, and I remember going into Italy, didn't really phase them that much, got the stamp. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Maybe, maybe it'll be better on the way back in. You know, because I've experienced that in immigration where you're treated like a foreigner and an alien, and then, you know, they want to know everything you've ever done in your life just to grant you entrance. I was going through the fast lane. And it was great. It was quick, but it was great. Actually, it's kind of underwhelming, if I'm going to be honest with you. And I don't know what I was expecting. I don't know if they're going to roll out a red carpet, if they're going to have a little band, you know, like they do, and, and just welcome home, citizen of the country. But the guy didn't even acknowledge. He said, yeah, yeah, next. Yeah, hurry up, man. Come on. And I'm like, hey, where's my welcome? I'm still getting used to this. My expectations were different. I'm still getting used to a lot. I know I'm a fully-fledged American now. However, I'm still getting used to us. <laughs> We do some weird things that I'm not used to yet. Like one thing that I'm still trying to work out is Americans' fascination with costumes. And I ain't talking about kids. I'm talking about you grown adults. Grown adults who, who just love to, to put on the costume. Like, and maybe I'm not used to it because from, from, from Australia, if you have a costume party, you are lucky if someone comes with like a fake mustache. Like that's like the extent of it. Like, who are you? <laughs> you know? Here, I mean, we go all out. Like grown adults plan this. In fact, I want to prove it to you. This is not just average American citizens. This is our campus pastors. Can I show you some photos for a second? These are, these are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's our Oakland campus pastors. Bobby and Abby. Next, who else we got up here? I mean, I had to tell you who they are. This is not the Looney Tunes. This is Pastors Chase and Beck Wiggins, our San Jose campus pastors. Man, they got us. All right, uh, next, 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 what else we got? Okay, my goodness, like, I love that you go into the mode. You embrace the costume, you embrace the person. You're like in full mode. I don't know if this is just a samurai or it's connected to some movie, whatever. You did good, um, but I do see jeans. I don't know if they had jeans in that era. That is, that's a, that's a cross. All right, you didn't go all the way out. I want some bare skin leggings. <laughs> Next, Gabriel from Austin. Look at this, a whole family thing. How many, let's be honest, how many people go all family in, all family in? Like there is no dissension in the ranks. You are wearing one, mom tells you. Yep. I love that. Next, next, the Hans in Chicago there. Oh, check this out. This is your very own campus pastor, Luke Stewart, representing. 
And while you get points for nobody knowing who you are, you lose points because next photo, you didn't stick with the family. How many people want to see Luke's outfit in this collection? It's pretty good effort. Pretty good effort. I'm trusting that's a tail, Michelle. Next. Next. Oh, Honolulu. Honolulu, go all out. Look at this. This is Ken and Barbie, Mark and Joy fam. My goodness. Now, that's a commitment. Like, I really give it to the people who go to an outfit where you are restricted the whole evening. Would you like a drink? Nope, can't. No, nope. that's amazing. Now, this is a couple of years old, this one, but if you look at their most recent one, they, they don't hold back at all. Can you show the next one? Look at this. They're making stuff. Um, I want to know how long does it, they're definitely using work time for this. I'm telling you, and I pay them. Coming after you. It's amazing. It's ama I, think, I think we embrace the costume so much because it's, it's a point of transformation. We get to be something else. We get to be someone else. In fact, that's a really good segue to the idea of our transformation in Christ. This is what we're talking about in this new series on the Holy Ghost, and so maybe, maybe we could actually take some time to develop a deeper understanding on just who is the Holy Ghost. In fact, the way I said that, and the sentence structure is precise, the way you need to approach this question is who is the Holy Ghost, not what. This is not a subject of what, this is not a question of what, this is a question of who, because the Holy Spirit is a person. And so I want to do some teaching today and unpack really who the Holy Spirit is. You see, whether you refer to the Spirit of God as the, as the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, we need to begin with approaching the Holy Spirit as a person. I, I grew up calling the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost. We're old school Pentecostal. And then everyone said the Holy Ghost is too scary, so we started calling the Holy Spirit. Now I see the Spirit of Halloween, and now we're going back to the Holy Ghost. So I'm all confused, but regardless, it's the same person, the person of the Godhead, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, let me make sure you're aware of this, is not a mist or a mystery, he is mysterious, but the Bible makes who the Holy Spirit is very clear. The Holy Spirit is not a mere feeling, but a distinct person of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit is the power of God at work in resurrection and also the presence of God made manifest here on earth. Are you taking notes already? I hope so. I'm already preaching. I'm well into the seminar today on the Holy Spirit. So get your pens moving. This is good stuff. This is going to be foundational stuff for your framework and your understanding around the Holy Spirit. The Bible gives many different descriptors or images of the Holy Spirit through Scripture that indicate in many ways the dynamics of the Holy Spirit. For example, what you'll find is that, that, that at the baptism of Jesus, we see a situation where the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. It's, it's a powerful moment, and you'll find it in Luke chapter 3, as Jesus is fronting up to be baptized, obedient to the Word of God, being baptized by John. The Bible gives us the image of what happened at that scene, and the Bible says, as Jesus came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. There was even an audible from heaven saying that this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased, but in that moment, the Holy Spirit is pictured as a dove. 
Likewise, in another situation in the upper room, as the, as the apostles all assembled together, this is the image of this old painting that we have here, is that as the disciples were gathered together in anticipation of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that the upper room was filled with a mighty rushing wind, that tongues of fire rested upon each one of them. And that's how the Holy Spirit uh, portrayed or relayed or presented himself. However, what this does not mean is that the Holy Spirit is a dove, or the Holy Spirit is wind, or the Holy Spirit is fire, but some of the ways in which the Holy Spirit manifests himself. Like, like I was out in the courtyard early, and we had one of these church kids. I love our church kids. They're crazy. They're just like tearing through the place, ran straight into me. Like, I'm the pastor, bro. Come on now. But as you read past, I'm like, wow, you're, you're fast as lightning. Now, now, what I was not saying is you are lightning. <laughs> And that kid will be very mistaken if he goes, hey, mom, I'm lightning. <laughs> or the next time lightning goes off, I go, well, that's that kid, Leo. You know, no, no. No, no, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a display, a manifestation, an expression of the Holy Spirit. And so understanding that the Holy Spirit is a who, not a what, provides a starting point from which a relationship can be developed. And what you'll find as you begin to interact with the Holy Spirit is that there are so many advantages that come from a relationship with, with the Holy Spirit. There are advantages. There are blessings that come from communion and interaction with the Holy Spirit. For example, through a relationship with the Holy Spirit, what you will realize is that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. This is such an underrated advantage a misunderstood advantage of the Holy Spirit being the spirit of truth. And what you'll learn and what you'll realize is that the Holy Spirit will lead you in life with insight and foresight. Insight and foresight. Like the Holy Spirit will illuminate stuff. You ever had like a conversation with somebody and you're like, I don't think what they're telling me is truthful. Uh, I'm just getting a little bit of a red flag, you know, a little siren going off in my mind. I'm feeling a little bit skeptical of what they're saying. That's not just because you're a six on the Enneagram, but because you actually have the Holy Spirit pinging on the inside of you going, it ain't the truth, it ain't the truth, it ain't the truth, because he is the spirit of truth. And so, and so what you need to understand, and the Bible shows us this. In fact, John 16, 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. This is because the Holy Spirit is a person who speaks to us and who helps us navigate the plans and the perils of life. He's the third part of the Godhead. He is the giver of spiritual gifts, and he is the producer of spiritual fruit. Jesus also referred to the Holy Spirit, and I love this, as the advocate. He said it in John 14, 26. I'm going to give you a whole lot of scripture today just so you know it's the Bible and not me. It says this in verse 26, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. That means that while the devil is known as the accuser, who is constantly accusing you of your sin, at the same time you have the advocate who is advocating for your redeemed life in Christ, your forgiven state, your restored state. So, so what the enemy does, he comes with his accusations. He's gonna start telling you every time you make a new resolution, I'm gonna make a new commitment. I ain't gonna do that anymore. I'm not gonna look at that anymore. I'm not gonna speak like that anyway. I'm not gonna treat people like that anymore. Then the very next day you do all those things that you didn't wanna do. And then the enemy says, see, you suck. That's how the enemy speaks. See, you're worthless. You're terrible. You can't hold a commitment. 
you're weak. This is the voice of the Holy Spirit, uh, sorry, the devil, but he's the accuser. However, at the same time, on that counterpart, you've got the advocate who's reminding me, it may be true, but God's redeemed you. It may be true you're weak, but where you're weak, he is strong. It may be true these things, but they don't stick to you because you've been washed clean with the blood of the Lamb. That's why he's an advocate, advocating for you, your redemptive state, your new life in Christ. And the Holy Spirit is also referred to as the spirit of revelation and illumination. I love this so much. Revelation and illumination. This is so handy when you're reading the Bible, the Word of God. You ever heard anybody tell you that the Bible's boring? You can't understand it? It's because you're trying to read it without the Holy Spirit. You're trying to read it in some framework of a book or some ancient story, and you're missing the fact that the Bible is living and active, and when read in relationship with the Holy Spirit, God will illuminate stuff and reveal stuff that you'll see stuff you've never seen before. You're like, I've read this before, but that's been in there the whole time? Who put this in my Bible? Because the Holy Spirit all of a sudden illuminates something that you never saw before. And maybe you've read it before, but now you reveal what it means, and it connects with things, and it connects with your life, and you do a lap around the office, you know, whatever, because it's, it's, it's revealing so much because the Holy Spirit is actively speaking and revealing and illuminating. This is the spirit of illumination. This is the spirit of revelation that he reveals truth. In fact, over this series, I plan on, on really going in deep on the things of the Holy Spirit. I, I want to go deep on the aspects of the Holy Spirit, even the personality of the Holy Spirit I want to unpack because as a person, the Holy Spirit has a personality. It's a personality with the Holy Spirit. When you get to know the Holy Spirit, you, you get to know his personality. Knowing the voice of God, becoming distinct in your life, discernible in your life. That's something powerful that comes out of relationship with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is a person who speaks to you. Therefore, the voice of the Holy Spirit can become distinct in your life so that you will discern between the voice of the world, the voice of the accuser, and the voice of the advocate. This is a powerful process to go on. I plan on unpacking over the coming weeks, but one of the fundamental or at least central elements to your interaction with the Holy Spirit is understanding that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you're, if you're a note taker, make that one real big, that you are a, a temple. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words, through Holy Spirit baptism, not only does the Holy Spirit come upon you, but his very presence and his power resides, or, or better still, makes residence within you. This is a really cool understanding that the Holy Spirit doesn't just visit you. The Holy Spirit doesn't uh, temporarily uh, sneak up next to you, but the Holy Spirit makes his residence within you. That wherever you go, home, church, work, wherever, that the Holy Spirit is present in your life. In the Old Testament, we understand that the Holy Spirit moved differently. This is helpful for us when we're talking about how to understand the way the Holy Spirit moves. It's really good to contrast from the Old Testament how the Holy Spirit moves and how the Holy Spirit's moving Today And to contrast it with the Old Testament, you, you will see that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was limited to the Ark of the Covenant or the Tent of Meeting. 
pretty much it was a limitation, a self-imposed limitation that God put on himself so that his glory didn't destroy sinful men. And the only people that could enter into his presence were those who had been through the appropriate ceremonial cleansing processes that had actually you know, slaughtered a lamb, sacrificed a lamb to atone for their sin, a temporary atonement, allowing them a temporary entrance into the Holy of Holies to meet with God. But, but, but unless you followed that process, you would be struck down dead. However, now what I love about what Jesus did being the eternal sacrifice, atoning for all mankind, is that it released the Holy Spirit without measure. Without measure. So in the Old Testament, you'll see the Holy Spirit came upon individuals for a certain task, a, a judge, a king, a prophet. Somebody would have the Holy Spirit upon them to fulfill the purpose of God. It was individual, it was selective. Now, because of what Christ has done, all of us have access to the Holy Spirit. That there is no limit, no measure, that without measure, He has been poured out about upon the saints. This is good news. This is good news. One person standing for that. Thanks, Ben. And this is... Important to understand in the way that we approach God because therefore it's not a graduation level, it's not a selective based on my holiness or based on my position of what I do, but based on the holiness that comes from God and the access that He has granted me, that He has bestowed His Holy Spirit upon us. Instead of an ark or a tent, you and I become the temple of the Holy Spirit, carriers of the very power of God. This is so cool that you and I are literally carriers of the presence of God. You know the way Jesus puts it? He puts it this way in Matthew chapter 18 as he's talking to the disciples about the authority that we have in Christ. He literally says that as you being temples of the Holy Spirit, wherever you go, where two or three gather in my name, I am there in their midst. This, this is mind-blowing stuff that not just have you got the power of God residing within you, but when a few of you saints get together, whether it's for hot dogs or Halloween or whatever it is that you're doing, just the proximity of your life being a carrier of the Holy Spirit, that the presence of God is manifest around you. That means if there are some unbelievers in the presence, they get the benefits of the Holy Spirit. The same way the Ark of the Covenant went into Obed-Edom's house, his whole house was blessed. Your house is blessed because of the Spirit of God that's on you. Therefore, your workplace is blessed. Therefore, everything you do and touch is blessed because of the power of God within you. It's good news. It's good news. The Holy Spirit is potent. He's got some potent power. He, it's potent in the fact that when we get together, there's something happens around us. It's an atmosphere for the supernatural. It's an atmosphere for belief and faith and power of God to be made manifest in and around us. It's exciting stuff. In fact, we, we see exactly this happening in Philip in Acts chapter 8. In an action-packed section of Scripture. I mean, in this section of Scripture in Acts chapter 8, you've got demonic activity. You got, the, you, got, you got some evil spirits screaming as they leave their victims. That's what happens. You know, when they leave, they scream because they don't want to go. It's like, no. And so they're screaming. And you got a magician. You got supernatural healings and crowds of people being baptized all in a succession of verses. This is crazy stuff. This is an amazing Halloween passage. In fact, if all of this stuff doesn't happen in this service, we ain't doing Halloween right, okay? If this doesn't happen at your Halloween party this evening, you ain't doing it right. <laughs> and so, so what we have is all of this activity as a result of Philip going to Samaria. You see, Philip, you'll first find Philip as 
one of the men merely commissioned by the, the, the church, by the apostles, to lead the food program. Like he ain't even a preacher. Yes. Philip, Philip wasn't even a gifted communicator. He wasn't selected for service because, man, this guy can preach. Man, have you seen this guy? He wasn't even on the worship team. He wasn't, he wasn't a stage guy. He was a back kitchen guy. His job, they said, let's find seven men because, you know, us apostles, we're going to do the praying and we're going to do the preaching and we're going to do that stuff. Let's find someone to run the food program. And, and, and I don't know what sucker they get to do that, but, but Philip's one of them. They're like, you know what you're gifted for? I bet they made it sound real good too. Hey, we want to mobilize you. Huh? And uh, we, got, we, got a, we got a really important role for you. We want you to run the food program. So good. I mean, it, it's amazing. And Philip's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. Love to. So Philip fronts up, doing his business. Then all of a sudden, a great wave of persecution comes on the church. Like unexpected. Unexpected. And the Bible says that the saints were pushed out of the city. Side note, I wonder if God works that way more than what we want him to, which is in prophetic power and visions, just that you're going to go to another nation, but maybe just God will cause you to lose your job. Or, or I'm not saying that God does all those things, but sometimes he allows stuff to get you moving. Because what we see in the church in Jerusalem is they were happy. They were sharing everything. Anything they had, they gave and they shared. And it was a kumbaya moment. It was beautiful. They needed that for a season. But God needed the gospel to get out of Jerusalem into the outer world. And so he had to allow some persecution so that they would get moving. Sometimes we'll stay comfortable in our little happy, clappy club. But God's like, hey, you've got a workplace. Hey, you've got things changing. Hey, you're called out into this world. So what can I do to start disrupting your nice, cute Sunday parking lot under a shade? And I'll jam you in an upper room if I have to. In each season. And so you've got, you got the preaching. Like the believers are crazy. They just come under heavy persecution. People are dying for preaching. And then wherever they go, they start preaching. They're preaching the gospel. They're moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. Signs and wonders are following them. Here is Peter. I mean, Philip, he goes to Samaria. He goes to Samaria. And, and it's interesting because Samaria as a location is significant to note because in Samaria were Samaritans. I learned that in seminary. There's, there's doctrinal stuff like that coming for the rest of this sermon. No, no, no. I, I know you have probably an image of Samaritans because you've heard the story of the Good Samaritan. And you're like, hey, if I'm going anywhere, Samaria sounds like nice people. They help folk. You know what I mean? I could just turn up and if I need something, the Good Samaritans are there. But that ain't the case for Samaria. In fact, Philip's the only one recorded of going to Samaria because most people want to avoid Samaria. In fact, even when Jesus was telling the parable of the Good Samaritan, he chose the Samaritan because it was the least likely character. And they were like, no way, a Samaritan helped? Because Samaritans had demons. Samaritans had sorcerers. Samaritans, Jewish people specifically, didn't mix with Samaritans. They were unclean, yet Philip's like, that's where I'm going. That's, that's where I'm going. And so we see Philip turn up to Samaria, and, and he's different. He's different. Where most people are avoiding Samaritans the way 
Bible Belt Christians avoid San Francisco, Philip just turns up and he, and he shows up and, and he began preaching. And as he began preaching, things start happening, stuff starts shaking. He doesn't look to go and get a bigger, better house in the Bible Belt where his Christianity is comfortable. He's like, I'm gonna be in the Bay Area because there's opposition here. This is where I need to be. So he puts his power on display. And, and you won't find Philip holding a hallelujah fest. He's out there preaching, healing, and baptizing crowds of people, including the magician. Like he goes after the magician. Now, let me make sure you know exactly what kind of magician I'm not talking about. It's not a card trick magician. It's not like a, and then there's a dove. You know, this is not the magician. He's like casting spells and cursing things. And there's all kinds of seances. This is like crazy kind of level magician that he's dealing with. All the ones that the Christians are scared of on Halloween. That's the kind of magician that we've got going on here. And it's real power too, because people are amazed by it. They're like, this guy must be God. Up until Philip turns up, and then they really see the power of God. And the, the contrast between the two is crazy. People just say, I'm not following you anymore. We're going this way because it's real. It's tangible. It's potent stuff. This is powerful stuff that we see in Scripture. In fact, check it out. Verse two, it says, 12, it says, But now people believe Philip's message of the good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. And Simon himself believe and were baptized. He's like, I'm trading up. This, I've been doing magic tricks in the sand compared to what Philip's doing. This is the, this is, this is the stuff. So he himself believes and is baptized. What a monumental moment that would have been. And he began following Philip wherever he went. He was amazed by the signs and the great miracles Philip performed. They, 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 they believed and were baptized even even the magician, it goes on to say this in verse 14. This is when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria, they're like, Samaria? Never thought that was possible. When they believed that they heard that they had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. And as soon as they arrived, they, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only, everyone say only, only, been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. In other words, they had been baptized in water by Philip, but the apostles realized they hadn't been baptized in fire. In fact, that's the terminology that John the Baptist used. John the Baptist, the water baptized guy, he, he, that was his shtick. That was what he did. He was the, he was the water guy. He, he, he baptized people for redemption of sins, and he spent him time out in the Jordan River, out in the desert, eating locust honey, wearing camel hair. He was old school OG fashion guy. But yet when he would do his crowds of people would come to him to get baptized in water. But yet even he himself, check this out in, in Luke chapter 3, 16, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. The thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He even acknowledged there's a different baptism coming. He called it fire baptism. Just to show the difference is water baptism. This can't be fire baptism. Be afraid. No, he's with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Even Jesus repeats this right before he ascends into heaven. 
his like final moments with the disciples, giving them the last minute instructions right before he's floating. In fact, the Bible even indicates as Jesus is ascending, he's giving them last final instructions. The disciples are like gleaning in and Jesus said this, John, John baptized with water, Acts 1.5, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when it comes to understanding that as believers, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit because you're filled with the Spirit, it's probably very helpful to know and understand how we're filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) If we're going to be temples of the Holy Spirit and we desire to be filled, how are we filled is a really good question for us to navigate. I so wanted to call this whole series Haunted. But because of some of you all manifested when we started talking about Halloween, I knew we had to dial it back a little bit. But I wanted to call it haunted because haunted means possessed by a spirit. And many of the original manuscripts of Scripture actually talk about being possessed by the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Ephesians, you're going to find Paul says, do not be filled with other spirits, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. We get so sensitive today around words. Oh, haunted me. Don't be possessed by those spirits, but be possessed by the Holy Spirit. Be filled. In fact, one of the original hymns called Come Holy Spirit starts with, Come Holy Spirit creator, come from thy bright heavenly throne, come take possession of our souls and make them all thy own. This is the understanding from the earliest of saints that we have to be filled, possessed with the Holy Spirit. But how? hell. This is where we need to do some doctrinal education. And trust me, I I will not make this boring. Because it's important to know that at the moment of salvation, you receive the Holy Spirit. The Bible is very, very clear on this, that that the Holy Spirit is not a graduation level. (laughs) The Holy Spirit isn't a reward for good service. You know, after you've done a decade of this, then Okay, now you get the Holy Spirit. No, no, the the Holy Spirit comes at salvation. In fact, the Holy Spirit is present at resurrection. At the resurrection of Christ, it was the Holy Spirit, Jesus' own spirit that raised him from the dead. God is one and three parts, and sometimes that can be really tough to get your head around, but, but there is a distinct part, each part of the Godhead that is one God, but God's own spirit raised himself from the dead. And it's the same Holy Spirit that raises your mortal bodies to life. And so the Holy Spirit is present at salvation. You get the Holy Spirit at salvation. When you get the grace of God, the Holy Spirit. However, there is also many indicators, examples, and illustrations of separate baptism than the baptism of John, which is done with water. For example, let me show you in Scripture so you can be skeptical about that and not me. Outside of this passage here in Acts 8, we see a similar encounter in Acts chapter 19. And from verse 1, it says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Very descriptive. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No. They replied, we we haven't heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? He asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, 
John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told all the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. Now, before you go ahead with your Pentecostal self and make a formula out of this, like first you have to come to Jesus, and then you get water baptized, and then when you're good and ready, you get spirit baptized. Then there, there, there is some stuff in Scripture that will mess up your nice, neat formula. Well, like last week, a couple weeks ago, in fact, we were preaching from Acts chapter 10, where Peter went to the house of Cornelius, the bunch of Gentiles, and saved. And as Peter was literally sharing, as he was preaching, it says the whole place was filled with the Holy Spirit. And none of them had gone through New Believers course. None of them. None of them were water baptized. None of them, even, there's no even indication that they said, we believe in Jesus. They just got filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus, everything, all in one meeting. And Peter didn't even do one thing. He's just like, what's going on? It was messing his head up because he, he didn't even know Gentiles could receive the Holy Spirit. But it changed the whole doctrine of the church because now we're like the Holy Spirit does what he wants. <laughs> In fact, that's the indicator right there that right when you think you've got a box for the Holy Spirit, He will break every aspect of it and move in a way that you're not suspecting. He may just move on your mother-in-law. Impossible. In fact, this is what you've got to learn about life with the Holy Spirit is it's unpredictable. It's unpredictable. You could spend so much time, and, and all kinds of theologians have spent so much time trying to section and place the Holy Spirit in a nice, neat formula, but just read the Bible. The Bible indicates that the Holy Spirit does what He wants because He's a person. He's not a mist that you control. He, he's, he's a person, a person with a personality, a person with a will and a desire that the will of God is the will of the Holy Spirit. And and he moves in whatever way he chooses. The Bible says, John says that he blows like a wind wherever he wants. John 3, 8, the wind blows wherever it wants. And just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Now, 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 now while we cannot box in the way the Holy Spirit moves, we certainly can identify how or when he moves moves. You can see it. They saw it with Philip. So the power of God on display, and so it was evident. This is God's power. People saw it. They identified it. In fact, maybe even better question than how the Holy Spirit fills us, or even when the Holy Spirit fills us, probably the most important question is, why do we need the Holy Spirit to fill us? In fact, I think if you answer that question, everything else will work itself out. But why, why do we need the Holy Spirit to, to fill us? My time's running out. I'm going to fast forward. Maybe we could actually draw a distinction between the two baptisms for a moment. You see, water baptism is a public declaration of my faith in Jesus. That you're saying, God, take me as I am. Here I am. And you're volunteering your life and you're saying, God, this is my life. Would you take it? This is all that I am. It's a declaration. Spirit baptism is an activation of God's power in me. So when you say, 
When you get water baptized, you're saying, Jesus, have all of me. When you get spirit baptized, you're saying, Jesus, I want all of you. That's literally what the difference and the distinction is. Like when I go down into the water and I come up, I'm saying, God, I'm leaving my old life with you. Have all of me, every part of it, have me. But when I come to spirit baptism, I'm saying, God, now I want all of you. I don't want you to leave anything out. I want the full power, the full octane power of God in my life. I want it all. I want it all. In other words, it's an admission that I want to be led by you. I want your will to be done. I want your purpose to be achieved. This is what it means to be led by the Spirit, to, to follow the Spirit, not to try and bend God to your plans, to, to try and mold God into what you want, but to be vulnerable to God, what do you want to do with my life? This is, this is maturity prayer, to be led by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. In fact, we, we often have a misunderstanding of what it means to be led by the Spirit. Honey, come here for a second, because what we often do is we, we feel like the Holy Spirit, the way He leads us is, is kind of like we're just, just in life getting pushed around, like leading me, leading me, and I don't know if I wanna go here. In fact, I don't know if I wanna go here, but okay, okay, okay. You know, that's how we treat the Holy Spirit. But, that's not how we treat, that's not being led by the Holy Spirit. In fact, being led by the Holy Spirit is wherever the Holy Spirit goes, I'm following. I'm seeking. I might not know how you look like. I might not know what it sounds like so much, but I'm learning and I'm leaning in and every direction that the Holy Spirit leads, go somewhere cool. Everywhere the Holy Spirit leads, I'm following, I'm following. And the moment I feel like I get off track, I get to pray and I get to seek and I get to learn and I get to follow and I get to get right up close to the Holy Spirit. This is why it's good to stay close to the Holy Spirit because if the Holy Spirit gets distant, you feel like, ah, oh, man, my life, I haven't been following, I'm lost. And then the moment that you actually get lost, the Holy Spirit will reveal Himself again so that you can follow. Because He wants proximity. He wants proximity. He wants you to follow and to lead and to, to actually lean into His voice. This is why walking with the Holy Spirit is important so that you get used to the voice of the Holy Spirit. It becomes distinct in your life. It becomes potent in your life so that you can differentiate between the voice that you have resounding of doubt and fear and I don't wanna do this and obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit understanding. It's what Romans 8.14 says, for all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. This is why, you want to know why, to be led by the Spirit is to be led by God so that you can reveal God. That's, that's the why. To want Him more than what He has. I need to make sure I get this right. Because so often when we talk about the power of God or the power of the Holy Spirit, we talk about the gifts alone or we talk about the blessings alone, we talk about the benefits alone and the advantages and all those things are fantastic, we've unpacked them. But what we're gonna miss is that the primary point of desiring the Holy Spirit has to come from a relationship with the person, not just having His power. Because when you go after the person, you get the power, but 
but the person of the Holy Spirit. He wants to have an intimate relationship with you. He wants to converse with you and lead you and guide you and reveal to you who He's called you to be. He wants to advocate for you. He wants you to know Him intimately. To say, I've got, I've got all of me to give. This is exactly what we see here with Simon the Magician. It says, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on the people, he offered the money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You have no part in this for your heart is not right with God. Now, at first this could seem confusing because you're like, hey, if he ain't working against you, he's working for you. Just He wants to get the Holy Spirit in people. But, but he wanted the power, not the person. Peter revealed you want the power, you don't want the person. Your heart's not right with God. You're trying to seek the manifestations. You're trying to seek the benefits, but without the relationship. You, you gotta make sure you get this right because the Holy Spirit is a person that wants real relationship real relationship. I've had people say before, Pastor, I don't know why I got prayed for. I don't speak in tongues. I wish I could speak in tongues, but for some reason I can't speak in tongues. I'm like, stop stop worrying about speaking in tongues. Start worrying about your relationship with the Holy Spirit and the spiritual prayer language will come as a flow on effect of your walk in intimacy with God. So busy seeking the gifts. Seek the giver. Seek the giver. This is like, it's like wearing a costume <laughs> or desiring the presentation without the authentic relationship. In fact, 2 Corinthians reveals this, that we don't need a costume at all. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That God wants us to not put on a presentation, but to have such an authentic relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit that when people see us like Philip, the power of God is displayed and people are drawn to God. I love that the byproduct of the power of God and the Holy Spirit working through Philip is people's lives were transformed. People got, they believed and got baptized. They believed and got baptized. When you have the Holy Spirit in you, you are a display of God. Everywhere you go, you reveal God. This is why we wanna be filled with the Holy Spirit so that can be a greater display of His glory. Hey, I hope you were blessed by that message. We release new content every single week here at Vive Church. And so if you don't wanna miss any of it, I would encourage you, go ahead and subscribe. Also visit our website, vivechurch.org to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the life of Vive Church. God bless you.